Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But they really all sold out. Feel all together. You with me now. Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're going to talk about some Blue Beetle. Which uh, is not lighting up the box office, but it's doing alright. <laughs> yeah, sort of, I guess. Um, but we'll get to that. In, in like, I mean, we, we kind of talked about that before. Um, but yeah, we will get to that. Um so with that, uh, you had some stuff that you wanted to throw at me, like things that you've been watching. Uh, well, first, not watching. Okay. Trying to. Oh, okay. Uh, find a workaround. Um, oh. Because okay. I found. Do you remember uh, the Sphero BB-8 toy? Yeah. That, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so Ryan had one. I I never bought one because I it was like two hundred dollars is like a lot. Yeah. Um, but they're pretty cool. Ryan bought one and I unearthed it, and Asphero discontinued the app in the store that you need to use to make the thing work. Like, they discontinued support, so Apple eventually just removed the app from the store. Like, so what? now all of, for BB-8, they had an R2 unit. They had a, I think a, B, yeah. like a BB-9 and another uh, R2, I think. They had, like, four of them. And so now all these people, like, I, I, like I went down a rabbit hole yesterday on... Uh, various internet sites of people furious that they now have basically a two hundred dollar paperweight um, that that you can turn on and sit in its base and its head will like move back and forth, but uh, you can't like make it you know make any noises or really anything like that. They have a like a coder app that has uh-huh. the basic functions. That you can try to sync the the BB-8 to, but like you can't make it, uh, you can't really make it BB-8. Like it, it won't like talk back to you or anything like that. And I was I was stunned. <laughs> I I I mean, is Spiro out of business? Is that the reason why? No, because that they still make uh like codable. Robots that look very much like the BB-8, like they just don't have the head. They're called like the Sphero Spark or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, okay. But yeah, I don't know if it was like a licensing thing or what. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of really mad people on the internet about it. <laughs> wow! Like I'm actually looking at this and like Spiro the fucking shitty company that they are, or, like, you can go to third-party apps and get this. And I'm like, mm. but they don't tell you, they don't tell you or show you um, the the third-party 
uh, retailers that now, are you, doing this. If you, have an, if you have an Android, it's apparently easier because you can sideload APKs to Androids. And you can yeah. find the old app like through various, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, various legacy l- legacy yeah. areas. Yeah. Um, oh man, that's some stupid. Like I, I, yeah, I would be pissed too. Like so, basically, it's a rental. Like you basically gave me a hunk of junk and rental, right? For yeah. for two for boy, it came out in 2016, right? Because the Force Awakens came out in 2016, or yeah. is it 2015? Or it was 2015. Uh, what? It, right. it was right around. Uh, it came out right with the Force Awakens. So, okay. And this is where, like, I'm like, oh god. Like, this is where tech and, uh, like, so Apple got in trouble for this. Um, they got sued, and now they have to pay out like close to a, a billion dollars, which is a drop in a hat to a trillion dollar company. But they have to pay out because they were they were doing the uh, what do they call it the the forced uh, the the forced expiration or not the forced expiration um, what is it when they when I, I can't remember what it's called but when, it's like forced like, obsolescence or something like yes, that. yes yeah, yeah that's right forced obsolescence. Um, or timed obsolescence. And that's just what Spiro has done. I fucking hate companies. I really do. Every company is just designed to be a, a shitty company because it's like, you know what? You do something. Um, I'm sorry, but you know what? You can kind of keep it out there. And you knew, like, you were getting notifications. Like, I mean, you and I both, like, we have we have the Apple Podcast app, right? And when things start going dormant, they let you know. And they continue to let you know, like, hey, your app, uh, your your podcast will still remain, but please know that it's going to go like, you know, you, uh, your whatever, whatever. Like they give you notifications like, hey, you haven't posted a podcast in a while. Have you seen this tech? They give you notifications up the wazoo um, about this. So they knew that the obsolescence was coming. All you needed to do was just send out a like a like send out a BS update and it would have been fine they would have kept it in the app store but no you didn't why because you don't care if if you could because clearly this thing is well i mean maybe the bb8 or the star wars versions are not really programmable but yeah if you make it where like third parties can like make it like open source if you're going to like just stop support for it, make it open source so that somebody can then take that and correct keep it like just keep it going, you know. Um, yeah. So it wouldn't be the official app, you know, because this happens with like online games all the time, like seven, mm-hmm. eight years after the the like the servers go down, but a lot of times if there's a dedicated community like they'll create their own servers yeah red dead redemption too yeah so you can you can keep the game alive uh in that that online component but this i mean like i said there there's a there's a it's called the spiro edu app 
and it has like the basics that will uh like sync to the bb8 and i mean if you can make it roll around but like i mean i could have just bought a sphere of spark and made it roll around like you have a b like if you know you were nine years old when this thing came out and your parents were never gonna buy it for you or you're too poor to ever get one and here it is you know not a decade later you have a job you love these damn movies and you're like i'm gonna buy one because you can still go on ebay and get a used one for around a hundred dollars or there's people that still have them brand new in the box and you can yep. get one between two and three hundred dollars you're like <clears throat> i'm finally gonna buy this thing and you don't put any research into it like I can't imagine the devastation, man. Um, I, I would I would have been upset, like, myself. Um, whereas, on the other hand, uh, I forget who made it. Uh, because I have that, too. Because, I, of course, I had to one-up my brother. Uh, there is a one-for-one one scaled BB-8. Yes, that, I've seen that. That, that is, that very much does doesn't do everything a BB-8 does. It does roll around and talk to you and respond to your things, y your voice commands and stuff like that. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. I had one. Uh, I it, I bought, I got it for probably less than what Ryan paid for the Sphero BB-8. Oh. Um, I think it's called the Hero Droid. Um, okay. And... Uh, I I also dug that thing out of storage, uh, charged oh. it up, uh, and it still works absolutely fine. Uh, the magnet for the head is a little uh, not as strong as it probably should be. So if you start rolling around too fast on any kind of harder surface um, mm -hmm. and, and try to stop, the head will pop off sometimes um oh, but okay <laughs> <laughs> but oh, you know that, that that's all right um mm -hmm. but uh but yeah that that thing still works fine um so it's it's not as small and cute as the sphero bb8 but uh you know it, it's it's a life-size bb8 <laughs> Seriously, and i dude. think you can get those for a couple hundred dollars too um, oh man, but that one doesn't have the issue of a non non working app that you can't right. do anything with. Which I mean, it, like you know, God, like that's I hate that I hate obsolescence, obsolescence because like here's the thing, like you and I, like we're we're in that generation. We are that generation of of like having experienced both the the world without the tech that we're dealing with now and the world that we are dealing with with the tech we know that life of like being outside and being kids right but we also know that we were also at the beginning of the electronic evolution like with all electronics and so like we kind of like it's weird how like <laughs> 
Like people aren't bothered by this, but we are. Like our generation is extremely bothered by this. I'm bothered by this. I'm bothered very by much so. Very much. Yeah. So. It, it it it's oddly <laughs> prescient in Blue Beetle. Yes, um, and we can so. get to that. Um, <laughs> it's the we grew up with the analog tech, for lack of a better word, and. Honestly, if you can find any of that stuff in good condition, it still works. The VCRs yeah. still work. Um, the the tube TVs still work. Like I, mm-hmm. I have a tube TV in my kitchen with a built-in VCR, and it, with the exception of like you know, basically it formats stuff to fit the screen so everything looks a little you know stretched out um but uh yeah it it still very much works like and so to have like the the digital stuff basically just stop working because nobody can be bothered to to just do the bare minimum to keep it working Mm-hmm. You know, just like oh well, you know, we're we're kind of just done with that. Like it is very very frustrating, you know, uh, games that will eventually not work because hey, you have to have this other component, and yeah. Me- meanwhile, the Atari twenty six hundred, like y- you need the controllers, the system, and a cartridge, and like as long as those things are in good shape. I, I mean, yeah. there's no, no, it's not going to be obsolete. Like, it's going to be ugly, but it's not going to be <laughs> obsolete. It's still going to work, you know? If it's in, yeah. quote, working condition, it will always work, you know? The, the issue now is, like, you don't have the televisions to work with those things now. And that's the, yeah, and that's the thing. But then that's also where you can get a little crafty with it and get adapters for things like CTRs. What I did did my my tube TV in the kitchen, I was like, I think I could hook a fire stick up to this because all I need is uh, something with an HDMI in and uh, just an audio video out because it has a, uh, like a, a, even though it has a built-in VCR, it has a uh, an extra input. So, huh? Yep. Sure enough, works just fine. So. I like it, and it, and it all goes to corporate armitage because, like before, like before, companies would sell you something like a TV that was like, like I mean, you know, we've we've actually talked about these kinds of TVs, the TVs that had a record, a, a vinyl player in it. And it looked like a cabinet case and it had speakers um, and the TV was like, like maybe 16 inches, but it was like the nicest, biggest thing. And people would like wait a ton. <laughs> exactly. And people would pay like a thousand dollars back in the day, which is like ten thousand dollars now. But it was something that lasted literally 20 years because they could fix it because companies like RCA weren't that greedy then. Because they knew that there was a whole industry. If you bought that, that's great. But there are still 250 million other people that we can have buy this $1,000 thing. But then they have their RCA associates, the people that can fix the tubes when 
you know, your your green levels start going off because your green tube is dying. And all they have to do is go in there and for a nice fee of $200, unplug that, plug it back in, uh, plug a new one in. And guess what? It's continuing to run. Um, like that kind of stuff like that we knew about, it just doesn't exist. People like people get a crack in their screen. What do they do? Like we know what they do. They don't get anybody to fix it. They don't try to fix it. (laughs) Put the TV on Dump the curb it. and then you the go term. to Walmart and spend. I mean, I I was at Walmart the other day and uh-huh. they had a it was a fifty five inch TV that mm-hmm. I I guess either uh, I I don't know why it was marked down so much, but it was fifty five inch TV. It was like two hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> And See? I'm just like, like right there. that's Ridiculous. an insanely cheap amount of money for for yep. something that, like, even if, you know, and I understand, like, okay, even if you only get, like, a year out of the TV, like, that's, and, and it's cheaper to replace than it is to repair, but, like, also, we're filling up, you know, it's it's this whole, like, cycle of like okay well i mean now we're just filling up landfills with tech that yeah you know we plan to to just be obsolete in x amount of years months whatever um you know it it, anyway it it sent me down a very interesting rabbit hole of yes you know but at least the bb8 i will say this if it is a two hundred dollar paperweight, it is a very cute two hundred dollar paperweight. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it is like, like I mean, and like it's not something cute. any fan would throw out, even if it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it like all the same, it's like it's shitty that like it like at the end of the day, it's like one of those things where like I said, like like I look at things and. Like, in the last 10 years, as I've grown a little bit more conscious of all this stuff, like, I've become very aware and, like, I think that a term that's going to be coming in thanks to upload, I think it's a big, like, it, like that's going to be more prescient than anything else is, um, I'm a bit of a Luddite. Like, I'm, I'm a, like, I, I tow my line, you know, with tech, but I'm also very aware of, like, all of the stuff and some of the stuff I just reject wholly, right? Like I just kind yeah. of like, no, no. Like there's a line in the there's a line in the sand. And I've, <laughs> I've refused to upgrade my phone. Uh I have a it's going on seven year old, maybe close to eight year old iPhone with no cracks in the screen. Of course the battery life isn't what it used to be. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the newer apps drain the shit out of it, but like I keep it charged. I always have a charger on hand and like every time I've been in, uh, the store, somebody like, Oh, like, you know, you can get it. I'm like, I, I don't need a new phone. This one works just fine. When it completely stops working, then, then I'll get a new phone, but I'm, I'm not falling into the, like, or if I, do crack the screen or you know mm-hmm. 
like, yeah, I'll get a new phone. But, like, this one still works just fine. I'm not going to upgrade just to just to upgrade. No, absolutely. Um, like, I recently had to upgrade um, my phone, and my phone is four years old. And the only reason why I did that was because my my phone itself was literally when it was charging it was getting so hot that the i could see the back of the the i could see the back of my phone buckling like 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 bubbling out and i'm like you know what let's give this motherfucker back to verizon and let's just see if i can get a trading credit and sure enough they gave me a trading credit but the best part was is that i'd been like I'd been so like I literally had nothing on my account. Like I didn't like because I didn't renew because I don't have that renew every year because I just don't want to contribute to the cycle of bullshit. Um, I've had my phone for like four years now. Like it was, yeah, it was four years. It was 2019. Like the the beginning of 2019 is when I got my phone, and I love my phone. And the only reason why I did it was because I didn't want it exploding in my goddamn leg and killing my leg. Yeah. Like, because that's where that's where that's a like, good reason to upgrade your phone. <laughs> exactly. So I have this I have this brand new phone that like like can like that like it's weird how like the force obsolescence really does kind of affect your phone with every update because like because my phone is the newest iPhone until to, like until in October when it becomes the like you know the second best right my my phone like I'll, and I'll leave it at this my phone stays at a hundred percent. For at least two hours, the first two hours of my day. Now, I'm not a not inactive user, but to give you an idea, my phone before this, the first two hours, I would be at maybe I would I would be at like 65 percent. And that's just a light checking of news, checking of emails, like not a big deal at all. And it drained it like that should tell you guys like, I mean, you know. I don't know. Like I, I, I've officially become a dad, even though I'm not a dad, right? I've officially become the luddite that just doesn't give a shit about these things because, okay, why am I gonna spend the money? Like, you know, like I, I guess it, it's weird because it's like I guess I finally have gotten to the point in my life where I'm not listening to ads, and I don't need this, and I don't need it right now, and I can wait. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it, it's at that point where. Like I'm at that age, I'm at that grizzled age where I'm just like, oh, God, I don't need it right now. Two years is gonna be twenty nine ninety five, and and to the words, to my words, always, always some piece of tech junk that everybody's like all wanting and stuff. In a year or two, it's it's worthless. It's a paperweight, and it's like, uh, yeah, I don't need that. You know, yeah, I'd rather uh... buy. I, I, did you what? see Xbox announced that they're closing the yes. 360 store? Yep. Yeah. Which is fucking wild. Like, like the one thing I can say that that Xbox has over, way over, uh, PS is is that PS PlayStation and Sony act like like Apple does. Oh, that's the past. Fuck you guys. We don't need this. We don't need this. Yeah. Uh, look at the future. Um, I was disappointed, man. Like, uh, yeah. Up until uh, probably the last year and a half or so, I still regularly played my my 360. Um, but uh, you know, um, I, I'm but actually I, I started back up because when I moved, I got everything 
uh, out and was able to get my my drum kit out and oh, I love yeah, right. to play rock band. So, yeah. um, you know, that's that's going to suck. Of course, th- they don't really dump any new content on there anymore. But uh, No, they don't. But it allows you to, like, be able to source something online. Like, say you want to play you want to play fable one and you don't have it and Mm -hmm. you don't want to go searching the dumpster, the dumpster fire that is GameStop. If you have a GameStop in your area or worse yet, you don't have a GameStop in your area. Like the ability to download the OG version of fables one through three is like, is great. Right? Like, I mean, like I'm not like, or halo, like or anything that's on the 360 store that, that, like as a 360 user and say you just didn't want to buy it, you didn't want to upgrade. I don't, I don't like there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Um, I'd still have my PS3 and two if the motors didn't break. I wish yeah. that they didn't break because there's a whole shit ton of games that I owned that I had to like end up selling because they broke and I didn't want to spend the inordinate amount of money or any kind of money on another PlayStation system, right? Like vintage systems now, like I can't even believe I'm saying that that for about a PS3 is a yeah. vintage system, but it's also PS3 came out in what 2008 or 2000, yeah, 2008, I think it was. So, like, that's a 15 year old system. I mean, it is, but here's the thing is that I, I still own my NES, my original NES, and it still works. Yeah, and that fucking like thing is that- 40 years old. The analog stuff, man, it, it just, yep. it's built to hold up and, yep. you know, um, all right. So watching wise, I, I did finally finish jury duty. Uh, you talking about it last week was, I was slow burning it, but like, that was, yeah. I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna, and, and I, I guess maybe because my phone heard us talking about it. Um, I started getting all these like targeted like uh, see James Marsden talk about how they pulled off that ending. I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and just finish it. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty great. I still maintain <clears throat> that if you had if, if the show had not let us in on anything other than like James Marsden is is playing a part that we it would have been a even trippier experience because there's some things they do without the 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 cat around mm-hmm. that i'm just like why did you go through all that trouble um that there's the, the, only one other actor in the jury itself that is really recognizable um yes and uh, i mean you maybe could have got away with, uh, you know, him mentioning that, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I do, like, you know, bit parts Light of work. shows. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you Kurt know. Fox is, if you know him, you know him. Right. Like, my sister's, like, my, my, like, my, my sister's boyfriend, um, he's, like, don't ask me. I don't know. He's a very weird gentleman. But um, he's, he's a huge He's a huge Kurt Fox fan. And that's who we're talking about is Kurt Fox because I mean he's very recognizable. Like he is literally like Steve Buscemi. I know that dude. Um, 
and you could get away with that. And you're right. Like there is a part of it that feels like you almost want it to be like they like, you know, like that, like, like, like up until the final episode, which to be perfectly honest, I feel like the perfect, the, the final episode, the final, final episode where we go behind the scenes, yeah. it would have been so much more brilliant if we didn't know that everybody else was like, it could have very well have been that they could have had Kurt Fox playing Kurt Fox and seeing Marsden and like having them interact a little bit too, because that would have been great. Like, Oh, yeah. did you get me a part in this Lone Pine thing? Like it would have been like a great little like push and pull, but you are right. Like that would have been a great reveal. Um, and it would have lessened the cruelty of it. Like, because like, there's a part of, there's a part of me that when I there's some this, really uncomfortable stuff where you yes. like it's not necessarily like they're being mean to him, but they're trying to push him into um, not breaking, but just being like enough's enough. Like yes. you know, somebody's being like Marsden especially is being overly obnoxious, and this yes. guy continues to just roll with it, you know, and, and yeah. like take the abuse or cover up the abuse like the the birthday party in the park like oh my it's a god big one, yes. where it's just like no nah, i mean i would have straight up drove the bus over that dude been like i hey, mean <laughs> we planned this party but marston showed up flipped out and yes. <laughs> like uh you know like ruined it basically ruined yeah it. like even though there's like there's like it's like a literally a layered cake that like my favorite episode is the is actually the audition episode because so much wild shit happens i mean quite literally wild shit happens like yeah like that the like from the the, the toilet issue to um the soaking the to yeah yeah that's what i was talking about the soaking issue like like yeah like when we talked i was i was at like I was I was like two episodes after so like I only had two more episodes to go but that that episode was so fucking wild um with Marston jumping on the bed it made me laugh because I feel like that was their homage and their little payoff to people that know sex drive even though sex drive isn't about that it still has that kind of weird the weirdness that like Guys, like, if there's anything that I you take away from this conversation other than seeing jury duty, is watch the relic of a bygone era comedy, yeah, called Sex Drive. Because, wow, like, like they say in the the, the episode, you, they would or the show, you can't make, never be able to, yeah, you can't. I mean, it, it's of the American Pie kind of like you know, and, and I mean, maybe rightfully show. Maybe it's yeah. that you can't make stuff like that anymore. Maybe it's more that you know you really shouldn't make stuff shouldn't. like this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I I really uh, really really enjoyed it. The the reveal to him is great. Um, his reaction's really really good. Um, he, he seems just like a really nice guy. Uh, finding out that they all still stay in touch is really heartwarming. Um, you know, it, it's, it's... It really is. Yeah, it, I I enjoyed it. Um, 
I also finished off. Uh, I had actually finished it last week and forgot to mention it. Um, I finished. I did finish off um, Twisted Metal, which ah, okay. is great. But also, damn it, if there is not a season two, uh, I I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm okay. So like, I've slow rolled that one because I'm enjoying that one. So like, I'll do two episodes at a time. Right now, I'm at uh, the episode where they're in the movie theater. No, no, no. Um, they're in... Okay, so they just got out of... Um, so, Sweet Tooth has just... I think it's the one... It's post um, The Convoy, which is a really awesome episode. Like, the whole yeah. concept of The Convoy is amazing, right? And the actors... Like, what I like about the show... and. I, I, Hopefully, like, I'm going to throw something out at you is that whenever they have a chance to do a guest star, they don't go the star route. They go with, like, the best actor possible because that whole convoy thing with the woman, with the, with the, uh, with the botanist or the, the, the nurse and uh, the daughter uh, or the granddaughter of the convoy leader. Those two cats, I've never seen them in anything before. Um, and they're just great. They're like really great actors. Like they're like their whole, everything that happens in that episode is great. Uh, like even the grandma is great. And I don't, right, I never, I didn't recognize her from anything that I've recognized or like I've been, um, I've watched. And it's just kind of nice to see a show that is this big budget. And it is big budget, right? Take on actors that are not necessarily like i mean they have their stars right they have thomas hayden church they have anthony mackie they have stephanie beatrice really big actors i mean will arnett is the voice of sweet tooth but everybody else is people that you don't recognize and that's kind of what i love about the show is that i'm being able to revel in this world but also getting actors that they don't like newer or like faces that maybe i'm not familiar with yeah um how like how did you feel it ended like did you feel like it, it was appropriate ending it was <laughs> um i don't know if i can talk about it okay fair enough, fair uh, enough. I, 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 since you have not gotten there i don't i don't want to um I, like I, I i think me saying there better be a season two is it's about as close as as we can okay. get to talking about it until you've seen it so all right awesome awesome okay Matthew is so good, though. Like, he's so he really good, is. man. Um, he, he really is. Like, like I mean, and giving Stephanie Beatrice, like, a platform to be both not both Stephanie Beatrice that we know, but also something new. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, new on screen. Not like, 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 I mean, Encanto is a completely different animal, right? Like, it's like it's animated, and so it's her voice. But, like, to see her, like, the charting of her character is kind of brilliant in a way that I feel like not a lot of female actors get a chance to do. Yeah. Um, she really and, does get to be, like, co-lead of the show, even though they yeah. take a while kind of, like, opening that character up. Um, That's but, the episode I'm, I'm at, uh, the flashback episode. Yeah. How she got to where she got. That's where yeah. I'm at right now. So, so yeah. No, no, no. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, it, like the first couple of weeks, like, the first couple of episodes where she's literally quiet, 
um, really does kind of like you go, why did they cast her again? Like, yeah. I mean, I understand, but it's also you're like, when are they going to give her something? And they really started to give her like that kind of platform. So um, I'm excited like for you to say that there's a better BS season two that definitely I, I'm probably going to uh, finish it up uh, probably sometime this weekend. Um, and speaking of Peacock, they uh, a, a show returned to Peacock this week that yes. I had honestly thought I thought we were never going to get a season two, even though they had uh, announced it uh, a couple of years ago. It feels like at this point, um, killing it <laughs> is is with, back on Peacock. <laughs> yeah, with Craig Robinson, which. Okay, like, I know that you, okay, so I was going to ask about that, because I know, I know that you have watched the first season, um, is it worth, is it worth it for me to go back and watch all of this? I think so, um, but only, only from the point of view, uh, I have such, uh, love for Craig Robinson, that I will follow him through anything he does, even if it's like, I mean, same almost with Adam Scott, because they, they did a show together on Fox called Ghosted that was not good. Um, but I love those guys. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to watch this show. Um, this is better than Ghosted, for sure. Um, okay. The end of season one gets so fucking wacky and insane and just off the walls. I think it's worth it. Um, season two, I, I've it's only eight episodes. They dropped them all at once. I've watched six of them. Um, I think it's more cohesive than season one. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, you you have a better sense of who these characters are, and it's less combative. So so you watch what maybe a couple episodes of the first season. I watched. Uh, I watched two. Okay. Uh, I watched two. Yeah. Their relationship, uh, him and uh, the the actress, I cannot remember her name. The Australian actress. Um, yes, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Is very like. For most of the first season, it, it's very uncomfortable. Like, because ah. she's overtly annoying. Um, he is constantly annoyed by her. And so it it just gets to be this, like, thing of why, why are they putting these two characters together? Season two, they're kind of more in lockstep about being friends and working with each other. So it kind of becomes them versus other people. And that's way more interesting than Craig Robinson versus her versus other people in the the first for most of the first season. By the end of the first season, they're they're more friendly than they were in the those first few episodes. Um and also her life becomes like the the first like five or six episodes of season one, maybe most of season one, all she does is tell stories of, that make her life so sad and depressing, and yes, it just does it 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 becomes not funny. It just becomes really sad after a while. 
Okay, so that continues on. Okay, like that's part of okay, so the uncomfortableness um is what kind of stopped me from moving forward, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like I'm not I don't know. Like it, it, it was very weird because it was like I love Craig Robinson and like I love him, like you know, there's two different kinds of Craig Robinsons, right? Like there's two different there's two different halves of him. There's the office half that helps with the uncomfortableness that like adds to the uncomfortableness. Like he's an actor that can do that. There are very few actors that are skilled comedians can take the comedy of uncomfortable and twist it and turn it. And like everybody in the office did that brilliantly. Like it's the thing that I respect most about that show is that it takes that, it takes whatever's uncomfortable and puts it to a level that's almost like, that's, that's just ridiculous. It's like a theater of the ridiculous, right? But there's also the other Craig Robinson, the Doug Judy Craig Robinson that I love. The one that's just a rascal. He's a rascalian. He's funny. He's charming. And when he puts that smile on, you go, you know what? Why aren't why aren't we why don't we have a, a show where Craig Robinson is like an Axel Foley type of cop getting into getting himself into like situations that only Craig Robinson could get into, but also like can solve it like only Craig Robinson can. That's the thing that I want. Like I, what was the problem was that it was like Craig Robinson from the office, right? Where, like you said, like he helps, he aids in that whole theater of uncomfortable. And it's like, I don't want to spend 30 minutes doing this where I'm embarrassed for somebody on screen because they're an idiot or they're saying something that's so, so just kind of sad and lonely and dumb that you're just like, Oh, wow. Okay. No, no, I don't want this. But anywho, um, I will, I will try to trudge through it. Like I'll try to get through that, that first season and then get on to the second season, which sounds like the whole, the whole thing that happened with the office, right? Like we can all agree that first season one of the office is, is, pretty low end low like you know it's not like when you want to start a, a season of the office like you when, when you when you like you know rewatch the office i don't know about you but i start on season two like even uh, season yeah. two and a half like i go i may even start on season three like i'll start with the ending of season two like the last five episodes of season mm-hmm. two and then go into season three because for those 24 four episodes that happened before they're so kind of meandering trying to figure out what they're doing uh same thing with parks and rec so is this one of those cases where it sounds like and like if you can confirm that they kind of they they it feels like they found their footing and they figured out what this is i do think it's more towards the end of season one and and you Mm -hmm. do because unlike the office like the it it would be a lot harder. I mean, you could pick up on the plot if you start with season uh, two, but like, there's mm-hmm. so much that happens at the end of season one with the characters that where they start at at the beginning of season two. I feel mm-hmm. like it, it's kind of like that season two to three of The Office, like uh, okay, because uh, Jim leaves at the end of season two, right? Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of have to see that back half to know it, it, whereas if you don't know if you know a little bit and then start with season three and you're like 
How the hell is Jim not in Scranton? Why happened? Yes. No, that's that's why I said like five like five yeah. episodes out. Like wherever like I think it's season like I think the marker, the denotation marker for me in season two is whenever Rashida Jones shows up. And I yeah. think that that's at the end of the season. And so like at that point, she kind of like it's not her that coalesces everything, but it feels like they start having a purpose. And it's not just like let's just figure out like they figured out everything by that point. Like, you know, they figured out the the levels for everybody so that they could play. And I mean, it's kind of interesting to see that a show is a show gets a second season like this that because before, like let's just say pre-pandemic, there would have been two or three seasons of this show to allow it to get a groundswell. But we're at a point now where if you don't, if you don't hit the ground running on the first like three or four episodes and you know what you're doing, good luck. Yeah. Good luck because you're not going to, you're not going to get a second seat. Like there's not going to be a second season to be had. Um, you have to like literally figure it out beforehand, but those are like the worst shows in the like. They're not the worst shows in the world, but my favorite shows were always shows that were trying to figure it out and didn't figure it out until the second or third season. But all that time, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine is like my favorite example of that because you like Brooklyn Nine-Nine at the beginning is a very different show than where it ends. Yeah. But I, but I like the show where it ends and everything that leads up to it. But that first season is a rough season to get through. Um, same with Parks and Rec, same with The Office. Like, these are some of my favorite, like, these are some of our favorite shows that we've come to know and love, right? But they all started out with things that were kind of like, I mean, people don't even, like, I know there there are kids out there that were born before The Office came out that are now, like, in, like, literally in their, uh, literally in their teens that love the show that don't even realize that it was a, that it was a BBC show. That was even more uncomfortable. Like they didn't I mean, somebody at work said that the other day. Uh, we were talking about the office, and yeah. somebody said, "Have you ever watched the the BBC Office?" And I was like, "No." Nah. I was like, "Ricky Gervais really just isn't my cup of tea." I said, "And uh, you know, I don't enjoy the very first season of the Office, and I know it's like beat for beat, so I yeah. don't think I would enjoy most of it because I don't really." I just don't really like Ricky Gervais that much. Yeah. Um, no, no, and, you're absolutely right. And somebody was like, there's a British office? I was like, yeah, yeah, the American show is actually based off the British show. And I said, but it becomes a much different animal. Um, yes. You know. Um, yeah. A very yeah, different. <laughs> I, I do think killing it, especially as we get closer and closer to, like, not having a ton of new things to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Killing It is definitely a show that is not going to be a complete waste of time. There's some really, really funny stuff in the back half of season one. Um, season one is a little rough because I, I like to watch shows, like especially comedy shows, while I'm eating, there's just something about like I, I get to laugh and eat, and it just, it, you know, it, it's yeah. a whole experience. Uh, killing it season one, I could not watch while I was eating uh, lunch or dinner because 
most of season one involves like <laughs> massive like bloody snake killing <laughs> or, or yes just stuff like that and it's like ah this you know it's not a show i can watch while i try to eat food um not really any of that so far in season two there's one alligator thing um but it, hmm. it's actually really funny um, okay <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to say, no, don't watch it. Uh, because I just, I love Craig Robinson so much and, you know, I, I, I always, uh, as much as, as, as many hours as we put it, Ryan and I put in the podcasting about Mr. Robot. It's so easy for me to forget that he yes. was in Mr. Robot and how like you if you go watch that, it's like, yeah, he, he is Craig Robinson. He is funny, but like, he, he's a very good actor. Oh yeah. Very well, good. Like, part of the reason, part of the reason why, uh, uh, like series, uh, like season one of the office works in the moments that it does is because Craig Robinson is like, you don't know, like you kind of don't know him. Like at that point, you didn't know mm-hmm. who this guy was. And he plays it exactly the way that you expect somebody in his position, in his, like, you know, like, as a black man, would would react to an idiot like Michael Scott. Like, like absolutely. Like, it's, it's so uncomfortable. But he plays it as a serious role, right? Like, he plays it with that, that tone and tenor of... I'm not playing this as comedy. I'm fucking pissed. I could beat the shit out of you if I wanted to right now. And that's the kind of like, we've gotten accustomed to the teddy bear version of Craig Robinson, right? The guy that like puts on like what I like, you know, what I feel like is not being like, is not was used by Brooklyn nine, nine. So brilliantly was the like the mischievous nature of Craig Robinson, the smile that, you know, that some shit's going to get involved. Like he's going to get involved with some shit. That's just like, oh, okay, yeah. I don't I, like, you know, like you're you're doing shit that I don't like, but at the same time, I can't help but like you because you're smiling and you're you're a good dude, um, just an ineffable charm. Um, and uh, yeah, man, Mr. Robot. Um, I keep on like I have the box set. I have the the Blu-ray Me box too. set. Um, and I've been wanting to do. I think it's because. Rami has gone so differently with his career than I had expected him to um, after Mr. Robot that I kind of want to go back to Mr. Robot and kind of like re-experience what I loved about him and how I discovered him. Because I did like I knew he was the dude from the like I like what I first remembered him from was, of course, like everybody like that bellowed him from the beginning was. He was the Pharaoh in um, Night at the Museum. Yeah. Night at the Museum movies, right? And it's like it's kind of weird. I know it sounds weird, but I feel like he's kind of gone back into that, like the kind of silliness. But he's also in these like big poppy things, and it's not like oh, that's fucking ro-. like Oppenheimer reminded me, like, and that's where yeah. it hung into my head, and where I like I gotta go, I gotta, I gotta watch this again. I've got to actually watch this with my wife and show her this show. Because it's so just kind of, it's. I keep saying I'm gonna revisit it, and then I think about it, and I like I just get really sad. I'm like I, I yeah. <laughs> I, I could only imagine that like you you like this is it, like 
for you, that's a mountain that you don't want to climb. In. Yeah. I mean, not just yet. Maybe yeah. <laughs> someday I will, you know, either through friendship or a, a relationship or whatever, I, there will be somebody who's like, what is this show? And I can sit down and watch it with them and have that experience. But like watching it, rewatching it by myself, I, I don't know. There, there's, there would be a lot of moments where I is just like, ah, this is too much. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> No, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I I could completely understand that. Um, but yeah, though, no. Um, was there anything else that you watched this week that you wanted to to prompt up about? Uh, no. I mean, it, it's everything else is just mostly the same. Uh, Harley Quinn adventures, uh, my adventures with Superman, uh, Justified. Uh, you know the stuff that's currently airing. So, uh, okay. But nothing, nothing stand out. I mean, all those are still really really good so okay no no absolutely um absolutely uh for me i because like you know we've talked about a little bit that like work is like a pain in the ass right now for me um it's all been just cooking shows (laughs) i mean literally cooking shows and then the stuff that i've i'm watching for the the site other than jury duty um did you want speaking of cooking shows uh, i'm Uh not to add a recommendation to your plate but I, I I very much slow burn this, uh, but a few months ago, well, actually, it's probably been over a year ago now, I discovered that Peacock had a show called Baking It. Yes. Did I've already watched binged that? it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've binged both seasons. Like, we, we're, we're huge uh, baking fans. Oh, like, kind of like you with comedy, watching with, like, your, while you eat, we watch baking shows because, yeah. you know. It's the kind of like, you know, it's the fix, right? Um, So baking it, uh, both the first season and the second season, and I'd I'd highly recommend it even for people that don't like baking shows because of the talent involved. Because the first season is Maya Rudolph and Andy Samberg as the hosts, which is kind of great. And it's a real competition. It's not like a... For you guys that, that don't watch this, this is not a joke show. This is like an actual competition, and they're just being charming and funny and like what what hosts are supposed to do on the show. Um, and then the second season is um, Maya Rudolph and um, Amy oh gosh, Amy Poehler, which is I like is and even Amy better. Amy Poehler hosted the because uh, this is basically a spinoff of making it making it which amy yes. poehler hosted with um nick offerman uh yes. which also really liked i think making it might be on peacock i know it's on hulu it is oh no no no! it is on it is on peacock okay. um both both edition like both seasons of making it and both seasons of baking it are on are on there um i really yeah, like the celebrity uh baking it like that one-off they yes. did i thought yes. that was really really fun um, um i love it knew that uh uh lionel richie's daughter was such a Nicole Richie, like, yeah yeah i mean an actual baker <laughs> yeah i mean is she she for somebody who for for very like a solid few years of her life was basically painted in as just a dumbass like yeah 
Um, no, absolutely. You know, and because her father was super famous and she was really good friends with Paris Hilton, um, who also painted herself as a dumbass. And now you can look back and go like, oh, yeah, they're probably just really leaning into that. <laughs> exactly. Um, that season is great because it has not only Nicole Richie, but it has Fred Armisen, BJ yep. Smoove, um, and Kristen Bell. Um, yeah. So that one is a that one is a great, great. Uh, that's a great addition of the baking it. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I totally recommend that. That's a lot of fun. That's low key stakes. Oh. Um, so, Peacock, yeah. man. Like. You know, I think yeah. if I had to give all of them up, I think Peacock is the one. I'd just be like, yeah, I'm, I don't, I, I don't think I can cancel Peacock because I, I can rewatch favorite shows. Uh, I'll probably have a hard time with Hulu too, um, but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, I it think- turns out to be such a surprisingly fun streaming service. No, it really does. It really does. And the best part about it, um, the best part about it is that when football season starts, unlike other streamers, yeah. they actually have a live, uh, they have a live NBC feed, which allows you to watch their games, yeah. um, which, you know, I'm sorry, guys, but, you know, that's a thing. Um, I'm guessing uh, Paramount Plus does not do that for CBS. No, they do not. No, they do not. Even though that their price is one of the higher priced um, uh, uh, streaming services, which, um, you know, I, 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 I canceled them for a bit until Ghost comes back. Because that's like literally Ghost and a couple of other things are the only things that I actually watch on Paramount. So yeah. like that and Star Trek, but Star Trek is basically over with now. Like there's not there's. Like there's not a new Star Trek series coming out, so I've watched all the Star Trek. I've watched, uh, I've watched uh, all the ghosts. There's no need for it anymore. So I take, like, you know, like if I don't have a use for it, I mean, that's twenty bucks that I, or that's fifteen bucks a month. Yeah. You know, it's like I've now gotten into the the mode of like canceling and then restarting services. For a while, I stopped Hulu because I mean, twelve bucks a month that saves yeah. you, right? If mine wasn't bundled with uh, uh, Spotify, I probably would mm. debate whether I would sign up, but because I get it in Spotify for fifteen dollars a month, and oh, shit, uh, yeah, yeah um, or Spotify Premium, I should say. Um, Ooh, so yeah, it's nice. yeah, it it turns out to be such a, a good deal. Of course, if Disney cracks down on the password sharing, like they say they're going to, a la Netflix. Um, I might be changing up my bundles. <laughs> so yeah, no, no, absolutely. Like it's it, it's a thing, man. Like like oh, I once it worked for Netflix, we sh- we knew it was yeah. like they're gonna every service is gonna come for for their piece of that pie of you know not sharing. So yep. Well, and then it's just they're initially they're gonna see an uptick, but I guarantee you, um, they're gonna it's gonna be a downward slide because nobody wants like. Here's the, the here like I love that they they they're they're pushing to add tier stuff because like my favorite part about that is is like like I've always said like Hulu the worst thing that they could have ever have done was had those like, like just had an ad tier because 
I'm sorry, but you know what? I don't pay 10 bucks a month for the honor to watch your fucking commercials. I'm sorry, but I don't. And it's the same commercials. That's what kills yeah. me. Is it's like every commercial break, it's the commercials I literally saw the last commercial break. Yeah. And I'm like, at least with like terrestrial television, cable <laughs> television, like, nope. yeah, I might see the same commercials like in an hour long show, but in a half hour show with 10 minutes of commercials, generally you're not going to see the same commercial twice, possibly three times. <laughs> no. And I'm like and that like, blows my mind. I'm like, you're, you're rant. You got to do better. Like, you know, either don't show as many commercials during your commercial breaks mm-hmm. or yeah anyway yeah it, it's that's quite frustrating it's really frustrating when it's uh election season and uh, oh yeah it's just the same election ads over and over and over and and it's one you know for the democrats one for the republicans and then back and forth and back and i'm just like you know what I no, I don't care about any of your ads. I'm not voting for any of you because I'm tired of looking at your ads. <laughs> yep. Um. So anyway, um, you wanna you wanna spoil some Blue Beetle? Yeah, let's spoil the shit out of this one. All right. So Blue Beetle. Uh, where to start? Uh, spoilers if you haven't seen it. Um, although I, I mean, there's one major major. Spoiler, but only for the plot of Blue Beetle. Um, for all intents and purposes, like I, I now understand why they were like, "Oh yeah, this is kind of the start of the new DCEU or whatever they're calling it," because yeah. the movie has no tie, very much like Shazam, has no ties to anything really. Like it, it could just be any, it could be its own thing. It could be in that world uh, because they do reference things um but uh see where did i don't even know where to start with this the performance of uh i don't want to mispronounce his name um jaime oh oh yes jaime played by zolo mari duen that's his uh so like let's just call him uh, like zolo uh which is like could you not get a more badass name than Zola? I love this kid, man. I love <laughs> this, this kid. This kid is great. Jaime, like, why don't we just start with, like, overall thoughts? What did you think when you got out of the theater after, like, after everything was said and done? I, I thought the performances across the board in the movie, with one glaring exception, no, sorry, sorry, two glaring exceptions were all fantastic. Uh, okay. I don't know what Susan Sarandon's doing. Um, she did not seem at all interested in anything um, no. that was going on in this movie. And also the actress that plays uh, the the young Cord. Uh, oh, um, yeah. Uh, Jenny Cord, uh, Brana, uh, Marco- Marque- Marquinez. I'm sorry. I, I I I was practicing and I couldn't. But but uh, yes, I know who you're talking about. Jenny Cord. I have never 
thought she was very good. I, like, she's worked a lot in the last uh, uh, yes. several years. She's shown up in um, a couple of not huge things, but you know, just things that I like. I've I've seen her in, and I've I've never thought she was that good. But it could possibly be because what I've watched is her speaking English mm-hmm. and maybe she's just like there's there's something lost there so yeah no you're right um it's interesting because from what I understand I mean okay so first off she's 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 mostly known for her model work from everything that I know her from but she also auditioned for Supergirl and the Flash, uh, in the Flash, and I think that that's where DC kept her into the mix of things. Um, which that would have been a wrong, like, like I guess, like she was somebody that um, Andy Muschietti was because he's he's also from Brazil, um, like was was really pushing to play this, uh, like, you know, and thank God they found Sarah Callie. Sarah Callie is amazing as Supergirl, but she's, she was like, she kind of came up in the auditions during, uh, for that process. And she kept, she was kept in the mix. Like they do in like, you know, in those casting realms, they always keep people. And I guess she got this role, which you're right. Like, I don't like, okay. So like the thing is, is like blue beetle is such a warm movie. Like it's such a warm like, what I liked about it is, like, there are a lot of movies, series out there. There's one in particular that I'm going to fucking throw sh- much shade at, at that talks about Me Familia, even though, like, like, and they kind of try to speak to that audience. But it all feels all stupid and just, like, you're just saying the word family. I, you can go ahead and make your assumptions there. But it's really not about family. This is, like, Blue Beetle is, like, about family. Like, it is about, like, a family unit that gets into an adventure and i kind of loved that because as origin stories go we don't normally see what happens in blue beetle in the way that it happens and transpires which i liked um but yeah you're right like like susan sarandon just is playing bland white white villain woman number 72 like there's not much going on and especially the way that they treat um uh, car packs, uh, car packs, and mm-hmm. giving him like the kind of shadings and kind of more than what he initially appears. And maybe that's the point, right? Like maybe the point is, is that, that she's a two dimensional villain at like, you know, there's nothing there, there's nothing going on, but everybody else who's there has complexity. I don't know, like, but it is a, it is a thing that I noticed about it that I kind of ignored because of how good everything else is in the in, in the movie. Yeah. If that makes that, sense. The only thing that kills me is that there's like a clear statement you uh, maybe it, it's just not for this movie, but mm-hmm. like her motivations very much seem to be not just money, but like she was passed over for her brother because like because it, like it's kind of hinted that she's more like her father and yes. that she's passed over because she was a woman and so Ted got the business and she was kind of just pushed to the side and so that that kind of like 
more instilled in her this idea of like whatever Ted was doing was wrong. It's like I think there's something to be said there that that gives her a little bit more motivation, but maybe it just makes her too sympathetic and you don't need her to be sympathetic. But yeah, you know, I, yeah, it, it, she just, but the best performances really kind of were not my favorite. Uh, Susan Sarandon, especially, I, I thought just completely flat, completely flat. Yes. And especially, like I said, like it, it's almost further, further kind of made clear because of like just how great the family is and the family dynamic it's like like the thing that i loved the most about this the thing that like i came out of really 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 kind of like going damn this is different this is a little different they took it a different way which is that it's not just hyman that goes through the adventure and it's not just him that has all the moments it's the entire family like and like and it's done with a voice of authority that I don't feel like has been something that like, I'm going to make a statement like there has like in this modern era of DCU, if we take out everything that's called the Batman, there hasn't been a movie with a personality, a voice and an authority in the entirety of this, of this DCEU Zack Snyder bullshit. Like even Aquaman for as much like, Aquaman is just James Wan doing Flash Gordon underwater with yeah. a rock star in the lead with a dude that just, yeah, like continually just, just like, like that movie is all Jason Momoa pushing his charm, his rock star charm through that entirety of that movie. Um, but that's not a great movie and it's not, doesn't have a voice and authority. It's, it's an echo of a voice and authority. Like this movie, I feel like is the one movie in all of the DCU in the last 10 years that really has like, and I said, not the Batman, um, that has something that I can grab onto and go, you know what? Like this, this is not just entertaining, but it's a piece of something that's a little bit braver and a little bit more. Like, I don't feel yeah. like even Shazam Shazam with its whole, adopted it's the closest, family. it's the closest thing, but it does. I, I was going to say Shazam is the only thing that comes close. And I, I do agree that it drops the ball in both movies about mm-hmm. that. Like you're, it doesn't give you enough with those characters in that family setting um to to really make you care as much as you should care um and here um i mean we said we're going to spoil it here when something terrible happens um of course nothing super terrible happens in shazam but when uh when jaime's dad dies like that's that whole scene is fucking brutal man yes it is and it's designed to be like and you get that daca feeling to it yeah dreamers like it like they're like like this movie is designed to be very like there are moments where it's very kind of like it's lifting things like like the way that black panther the first black panther dealt with certain things with like culture 
this deals with culture in a very similar way. Just because this is like not named Florida or not named Southern California doesn't mean that bad shit doesn't happen to these people. And it does. And like, yeah, like it is brutal. Like that, that was hard. It was almost as hard. Like they got me, they got me with like the, the moment, the recall moment where he accepts his fate and it's his dad coming yeah. back. Like, oh man, I couldn't even do it, man. I was just like, ooh, this is hard. Because they got you. They get you. Like, it's an effective... It's a ploy, but it's an effective ploy. Like, when it's a when it's effective as, as effective as it is in this movie, it does. it's not a cheap trick. It's, it's, it's something that they've already built towards. And, like, unlike, like, unlike Spider-Man films, where... Uncle Ben has a stamp on his forehead that's dead. This one doesn't feel like that, even though the signs are there, right? Even though the heart condition, the you know talking to his son, the 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 closeness and how he brings his family together, it's all there. But for me, at least, it didn't feel like there was a stamp on on his dad's forehead that said dead. No, no, not not until we got to <laughs> that that moment i was like oh shit they are going to kill his dad yeah and do the whole you know that whole thing which is very much a superhero trope but also lace it with that like families being ripped apart um Mm -hmm. uh, like everything you know i don't know if not saying it doesn't hit, but, like, if this movie had come out four years ago, like, yeah. it hit real far. I mean, it hits pretty hard now, but, like, we were, like, in the Trump era. We were hearing about all of those things. Um, and not saying they don't still happen under Biden. They very much do. Yeah. Um, it just seems that, like, not, not to say, seems like that camp is easier uh or better at covering it up or 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 creating other distractions um you know because they're equally shitty when it comes to things like that um but uh but yeah that 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 scene is the movie like for me at least like that that's the movie that's where you know and them coming together afterward and like the grandmother's speech and and like we can cry and mourn later but right now we have to do what we have to do like it's i i don't know i i really really liked all of that i anything the movie doesn't do really really well i think it makes up for with the amount of heart that it has Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like, it's weird because like, I, I, I was watching it and it just like the thing dawned on me is that like, they, they, they very, they, they understand the emblem tropes better than even emblem does now. Like the movie and the way that it works with a family on an adventure. Um, because like the biggest thing that I feel like most family-based adventures do is this like is they'll they'll start with the family and then they'll break them up 
and just focus on the main hero and then bring them all back together. Where this film very smartly keeps the family together the entire time. Like, and if they're going out on missions, there's always two or three of them there. Like, or like, you know, they're doing it together. And it's not like people are sitting there. Like my favorite, like, I'm not sure who my favorite character is. Um, I think his sister is my favorite character. Like, I I fucking loved her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Like, I feel like there are going to be a ton of, like, dudes or, like, kids that are going to fall in love with this, this, this girl. Like, she is amazing. Like, the way that she's presented, the way that, like, she is a forceful woman, but she's still likable. Like, that's the thing is that so many movies get that wrong. They get the, okay, let's make a, a an outspoken, like, strong female, uh, younger female, but they don't know how to make her likable. And that's partially her performance and the writing of it. Um, because she's, oftentimes, she's the reality check for Jaime, right? Like, she's always, like, 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 basically, like, you know, elbow checking. I mean, from the jump. From the jump, yes. <laughs> it's just like they're like, no, we're going to like, we're gonna do this in a like calm manner. Like he's just coming back from from uh, college. Like we don't want to dump everything all at once. And there, she's just like, oh yeah, we're losing the house. All right, dad had a heart attack. It's like, see, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh, like, um, like that was. Like that, that was kind of like brilliant, right? Like, like, uh, Milagro always, always says, No, no, this is bullshit. We've got to, we've got to be upfront about this. Um, and then giving her, like, like giving her more than just one moment, but giving her multiple moments is kind of great. I mean, like, everybody gets like an arc in this movie, right? Like, an arc is a movie into the family itself, which is, which is so. Like, what I love, like, you know, like, people people often wonder why, like, sometimes critics, like, zero in on things um, and zero in on movies that are maybe smaller or, or whatever and or, like, a big studio movie. Like, why are you latching on to this movie? And it's because we watch so much goddamn content that we, we see the tropes, right? We see them a mile away. We know, like, from the opening, oh, this motherfucker's dead or this is this or this is that. When a movie can fundamentally take a trope and change it and turn it as an advantage because you're expecting it but it doesn't happen um is kind of brilliant like like and it demands your your attention and so like for this movie like there was a lot of things that were just set up that are like even like i mean like my favorite my favorite trope is the um carapax side voiceless villain and giving him a voice and giving you an understanding of where he came from and how he came to this point is like one of the best things I've seen in a comic book movie or shit, even in a movie in general, uh, like in a long time, because it is so different than what you're expecting from a, basically a right hand man. That's supposed to be your like physical bad guy as opposed to like the, it's like the Lex Luthor of it all, right? Like Lex, they always put him in a robot or some bullshit because yeah. he can't physically match 
And so that's basically this is basically her robot. But the thing is, is that they trick you. They trick you because uh, because Kajida actually shows like she's just as much of a character as Blue Beetle is or as Jaime is. And they kind of like work in symbiosis and she shows him. She goes, no, she's like, you've taught me now. Let me show you. And she gives him that moment. And man, that's a brutal moment. Like that's it's, just as brutal. It's funny because I just recently rewatched the crow and there's a oh, very similar yes. moment in the crow where he uh, is able to basically extract like the memory of uh, Shelley's death from yeah. Officer Albrecht, and then you know the the crux of the movie is him finding out that uh, you know it's top dollar that that was responsible for all that, and he, yep. you know he he says I, I have something to give you, um, you know something I've been mm -hmm. holding on to I don't want it anymore here and then he just unleashes all of that pain and misery and you know and it uses it as a weapon and here it it's more of a, a cause and less of a weapon but uh like it's used to like that same effect of like you know uh, he becomes the sympathetic villain um yes and you you kind of you know and it weirdly doesn't feel like super out of nowhere or extremely forced no. or like even the idea of like how uh uh she's able to like show Jaime like mm -hmm. it it works you know in in the yeah. the the plot of the film so um yeah, I, I I hate that we're probably done with that Not, character. <laughs> yeah. No, we are. I mean, like, like it, it's unfortunate because that's actually a very, very good entry point to have that particular character, um, that that particular character be somebody in the new DC EU, especially because it feels so much, so much like a James Gunn trope. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. like to take a to take a two dimensional character like that. I mean, I understand why Blue Beetle is a part of the new DCEU because it feels like like a gun guided, even though it wasn't because it was done during the Walter Hamada time. But it's still like and there's a lot can, that can be done in a few months with simple editing and allowing somebody to do something that maybe they they had intentions to do, but they weren't allowed to do. I'm not saying that there was any kind of push or pull with this movie, but I'm almost wondering if they gave they gave um, they gave them the ability to make the movie that they truly wanted to make. Right. Like there's there's probably multiple different versions of this movie, and most of them are probably paint by numbers ABC and you take out everything else you drop. 20 minutes of this movie and you make it an hour 47 an hour 50 and you have a movie that's very plain jane stupid they're not it's not as wholesome it's not as a warm and inviting right like you don't have like the moments that the family are interacting so much right i'm not saying that that's what happened i'm just saying like this feels more guided by james gunn's ethos of understanding every character and every motivation than it does a movie that 
was produced by Walter Hamada. I'm sorry, but like, you know, I, I've, we've seen enough of this DCEU to understand. And this really does feel like a demarcation because there's just more warmness to it. Like it's all around generally more warmer, even though some of the shit hits harder. Like, but that's the after effect of warmness. Like that's what, that's what Gunn understands that I feel like Zack Snyder never understands. I don't give a shit about muscle-bound, slow-motion bullshit because it doesn't emotionally pull me. Like, and, like, that, whatever that says about those DCEU Snyderverse dudes, that, you know, infer whatever you'd like. But the thing is, is that, like, if you give me that context, if you give me, like, what you did in Guardians 3, which is you showed me heart, but then you ripped it out. Like, nothing in the DCEU is as close to watching Rocket and his family get ripped apart and murdered. Like, nothing. Nothing. Like, Superman crying because he had to kill somebody. You know, Martha Ledger said that name. Blah, 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 blah. Like, all this stupid shit that Jack, Zack Snyder decided to embed that he thought was emotional. It doesn't work. Yeah. What do I have? What, what like, why would I care about an alien who all I've seen is somebody who doesn't care about anything other than himself or a billionaire who's trying to kill that alien rather than get to understand it. Like you, like I don't understand anything that's going on in these movies at all. And like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Right. But here it's very different. Like this is a very, like this would never be made in the Zack Snyder era. Like never because it's, I'm amazed that Shazam got made. Like, you know, and, and they stopped short of like actually having Henry Cavill, you know, show up, show up. Yeah. Um, But also, okay. So like, that's the other thing is, is that that shows you that that was not Zack Snyder approved because they mm -hmm. didn't let him, or that part of the DC, the DCEU. I mean, there's a whole thing like that's a, that's a new line movie as opposed to a true Warner brothers Marvel movie. It like, they didn't want it to be a part of it. Why? Because it was too light. And it's like, I'm done with the heavy duty shit. Like I've like, we've been through 15 years of, of like all, all like visual, all hard and no heart. Like there's no heart in those movies. Like as much as Kevin Costner tries to bring heart to, uh, to the first like hour of, of man of steel, Zack Snyder does everything in his power to make that not work. Like he does everything in his power like because he doesn't care about it you know what he cares about michael shannon being an evil man like it's just like it's so dumb it's so, like like this movie just brings to light to me how dumb the eds like dawn of justice was all of this stuff like this is what you, happens right you've got to watch my adventures with superman <laughs> okay i i i'm I ha- I've had it on the list and it's going higher and higher, but now it's at a point now where um, I think that I'm, yeah. Like, it, it, will, it will definitely help you put all of that, like, like oh, okay, finally I'm watching a version of Super, a, a modern take on Superman that is 
those things that is heartfelt that is sweet that is fun funny um like it is what it needs to be you know okay it's not Um, cynical it's i mean it has some cynicism to it because lois is inherently a cynical character um but uh like it it doesn't dwell in that um yeah i i think i think you it would it would help to have a version of superman um to just point to and go yes this <laughs> great no 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 like that's awesome um that's really great um like i'm i'm i will watch i will watch um so a couple of things like i thought it was brilliant to have kajita voiced by becky g because yeah. i mean i'm Okay, I'm gonna say something. I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but Becky G has one of the sexiest voices in the world. And to give her to give Kajita that kind of like push and pull of like a very feminine voice, but a very assertive one, um, is kind of a brilliant stroke. And also keeping it like the thing that I loved most about this movie was is that so um Angel Manuel Soto who's the director of the of of Blue Beetle kept from top to bottom this a movie about latino culture and specifically mexican culture in a in a way that doesn't feel forced but if you if you're if you were raised in it if you know it if you're of that culture it feels very much so that but also by way of Miami and the way of like just different latino cultures so like something like having Becky G do the voice right that that adds in an, like an extra layer, right? Um, casting top to bottom, other than Susan Sarandon, everybody at like a either a Mexican or Latino actor, and like even to the point of like having the side hench, the the side hench doctor. <laughs> I was like, Harvey is this that like Guillermo from? Yes. <laughs> what are we doing? The shadows. Uh, I've seen like oh. two episodes of that show. When he showed up, I was like. Pretty sure that dude's in what we do in the shadows. <laughs> he Harvey Guillen is so great. Like he's just so so good. And I uh, wish like, they gave him more to do. In, if you okay in this sh- in this movie. <laughs> okay, so like if you do okay if you love him, this is another thing for you to watch. Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Okay, because he he plays this little dog called Pietro. That's a little, that's a little chihuahua that plays through the whole movie and he both makes you laugh and breaks your heart at the same time. It's just, it's a great, like, it's just my thing of like, if you have, if you like him and he's great, he's, he's just, he's even better in Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which is like, it's just a great movie. Like, it's just, it's just a great movie and it has like him and like, it's just another additional thing. I've also heard that he's in, um... Uh, the movie that I do want to see, another movie I want to see, which is Strays, um, the Will oh, Ferrell yeah. dog yeah. movie. That's um, out this weekend. Yeah, that's out this weekend. I haven't seen it yet, but, uh, but like, yeah, like, like just having a moment like him. But then also, like, the the shitty part is, is that they didn't live up to the trope with his character, which I find, which I found really shitty. Was that, come on, let him survive. Like, don't kill him. Yeah. Like, it feels like such a, it feels like such a shitty moment because, because it's done by Omar right or chiropax and it's like it 
it kind of makes this weird futzy thing where you're kind of still like, and maybe that's the whole purpose is that he's still a villain. He's still going to do terrible shit. And it allows you to make that choice of what he does, his sacrifice that he makes because he knows that he can't do it. Um, I, I do appreciate that the movie tries to like, so if, even if you're going out as a hero, the movie does not let any of its villains off at all. Like, yes, you know, the ones that wind up doing the right thing, they still die. Like it's paying like they, they still have to pay for for the crimes that they did commit. You know, they do get to die heroes, but it's like, well, you spent most of the movie doing the wrong thing. So, uh, you know, that's a very old school trope kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it is very much so. The, the the whole like it it's it's like it goes back to comic books like right like the actual trope of comic books is that or the comic book code that said that <clears throat> even yeah. even if a villain turns out to be good at the end of the story he has to be put in jail he has to be killed whatever it is he has to have the justice served to him um yeah. the person that we haven't talked about which now like like all the like like all so of the, like, <laughs> yeah I, I was. So I was holding off on this because I wanted to start out by saying, in general, uh-huh. I don't like George Lopez. <laughs> I don't think he's that funny. Like, I, I don't, I, I can appreciate that there are people who get and enjoy his shtick. Yeah. Mostly, I've only just found him kind of annoying and not really funny. Like, just not ever really had not a hatred for him but just like george lopez does nothing for me his various tv shows i've tried i've watched his comedy um it just has never really done anything for me but i fucking love him in this movie right like he is so good like he takes the he takes the 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 trope of the paranoid uncle or Theo or whatever uncle whatever you want to call him and he like he just not only soars with it but there's this heart that I feel like people that don't know George Lopez's work kind of don't see too often that he's able <clears throat> to do in this movie yeah. like that is a bit of brilliance like it it's it's the perfect mixture of comic relief heart and like dare i say badassery because when the needle drop happens the 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 motley crew needle drop yeah and he's able to do what he's able to do it's truly a piece of badassery right like and he's able to get like he's given that moment as much as uh as as much as um nana is like you know in her fucking like you know her whole her whole storyline when she evolves and turns yeah. and blossoms into the into the uh, like you know she's pretty great too but like uh, yeah it's weird like outside of George Lopez it's weird to me that like the well of course I know him uh, the kid from um uh Cobra Kai but like literally yeah. that's all I know him from George Lopez like I yeah I know him from a lot of things but also George Lopez but um you know she she's been in like so much shit that... well yeah and she 
I mean, she like uh, Adriana Barazara is yeah. an Academy Award nominated actress. Like, I mean, she she was in she she was in like movies for uh, uh, Alejandro Gonzalez and Ratu. Like yeah, the guy she's who, in, in Babel. <laughs> yeah, she's in Babel. She's in Amores Perros. Um, like you know, she's like in in a, like in Mexico. She's known as a very 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 like elite um acting coach for actors like that's how Inratu got her for his first movie was that he knew he knew her through um um like the various actors that she I mean she's like like she's literally like like she's an amazing actress like she's a serious actress and then to put her in all of this makeup and hair yeah like but like hide the fact that she's literally like like you're waiting for her to be like you know like like when she starts talking about the revolutionary stuff it it like goes back to like again another another thing like in latino culture especially for people in south america that have been dealt with dictatorships and revolutions that there are all these people that have immigrated to america that you don't realize were badass revolutionaries and are literally badass revolutionaries and she's actually like she like my favorite part is that she's the one that that figures out the fucking plan for them to yeah to get to get she's like oh out. i've done this <laughs> like yeah I, i've been in this situation where we've had to sneak in and out of places and use uh, tunnels and um but uh, you know and th- this is tiny but what's really really yeah. fun for me is um because I guess maybe I didn't see enough trailers for this movie. I don't know. Uh-huh. Like, I all I knew was George Lopez. Like, the rest of the... Yeah. I knew that he had a family, but, like, I just didn't see much of any of it. I honestly, going into it, I thought George Lopez was his dad. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I, like, that okay. surprised me. Um, I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, he's not his dad. Um, but uh, she's, she's the diner owner in Thor. <laughs> Yes. The diner that they go to, uh, like those two times, um, that very, very, like brief couple of scenes. I'm like, oh yeah, nice Marvel DC, still doing the like, haha, we got one of yours things. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna do it better. Like, yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, like, you like, wasted oh. her as the diner owner with like one line of dialogue in Thor. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Um, and the whole thing is, is that, like, she had more scenes, but they were like, like, I'm fairly certain. I think that I saw them in deleted scenes, but I think that she only has really one scene in the movie. Um, but it's like, like, yeah, like you don't uh, like, you know, the like the one up, the one upmanship of it. Like, oh, okay, so we're gonna like, you know, we're gonna take this person that you kind of casted, but really didn't use, like you normally do. Like, that's the biggest complaint about Marvel movies, right? Is that they cast all these great supporting actors, but none of them get any screen time or anything. I mean, Zachary Levi talked about that. He was yeah. like, you know, I got tricked. I he basically he basically said I got conned by fucking Kevin Feige that the Warriors three were gonna have a bigger part and then nothing happened and I'm yes. like well you know that sounds like a Kevin Feige thing like you know that sounds like a Marvel MCU thing because you know they test the waters on everything like how many supporting characters from from like you know Phase Four are we never going to see again even though they're great actors yeah a lot a lot but. Um, back to Blue Beetle, like that cast. I mean, like it's just it's a great it's a great cast 
because they allow they give them the space to be great, right? Like they like all the first part of it is all kind of set up for the end, but it never feels like that because you're having so much fun and there's so much heart and warmth in the family. Like, like there's a part of me that really like that really wants Soto to make a to make a like a family movie, like a drama, like to like like in between the time. Like, let's. I hope that there that this movie makes enough money to warrant a sequel, or is such a culturally relevant thing, or James Gunn just decides, you know what, I'm going to have Blue Beetle in other movies. He's going to do it like the Hulk, right? Like, just keep them in places. Um, because the family stuff works so well. Like, like this is like. Like, this could conceivably be your, and I guess it's kind of been made, like, that this is, like, kind of like your your Spider-Man, right? And there's so much you can go with with that. But, um, yeah, like, it's just, like, it's really great that they, that I cannot stress enough, like, how great it is to me that, that this movie is, like, a family movie. But it's not, like, a family movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's still... It's still an adventure. It still has, like, it has all the conventions of what you want in a superhero movie. Like, I mean, we haven't even talked about, like, how much badassery there is with, like, him figuring out what he can do and what he can't do with uh It all works. Like, I was going to ask you about the special effects so we can just get get into it right here. The suit effects work extremely well like yes uh, they do. It, it's funny i went and saw it with a friend of mine and she uh-huh. at some point and she's watched all the marvel stuff she was like mm-hmm. how how is the suit like doing all of that i was like i don't know nanotech alien technology why why does it matter she's like i yeah. don't know it just feels weird that they don't explain it and i'm like i looked at her i was like you literally have watched all the marvel movies iron man's suit by the end literally appears out of nowhere yep (laughs) and you do not seem to have a problem with that but because this is an iron man you're you're questioning it um but i was like it's alien technology like it's very simply just just leave it at that like there there does not need to be a how, how do you make these giant swords and it's just it looks good it's fun like I, I I thought it worked extremely well. Oddly enough, for me at least, what didn't work was every time they showed the quote city. Okay, okay, I can see that it was a little too CG in certain sections. Like when they're when they're in the keys looking to the city, it yes. does feel like across the Spider Verse animated. Like like literally, it feels like that much animation. And I yeah, I don't. I don't know why, but then as soon as they, like, if it's broad daylight and Blue Beetle is flying through it, it does look real. Yes, it looks, those, that looks fine. But, like, those nighttime yeah. scenes of, like, seeing the buildings and I was like, this just does not look even remotely real. Like, to me, it needed something more like Blade Runner style, like futuristic, yes. but not, like, super shiny. Um, like almost I, I like broken you, down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, I get that you wanted to create like that vast, like disparity between like how mm-hmm. they live and 
like and, and kind of like highlight that point, but it just looked so fake to me, like uh, like yeah. Coruscant <laughs> kind of stuff. Where I'm like, that doesn't even look like they're living on the same planet, um, you know. But outside of that, like, the, I thought the effect stuff was really, really well done. It looks like they used practical as much as they possibly could. Yes, um, and the um, the suit design by Mayas Rubio was was like it was phenomenal. Like the yeah. way that it looked, like as a part of a part skin and part like armor on the skin was just kind of great. Um, with a slight CG augmentation with the eyes. Which was brilliant. Like, it was a yeah. real brilliant stroke to make those eyes kind of, like, optics and, like, weird kind of things. Like, it, it's it's really, 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 like, a great piece of effects work. Because oftentimes, effects work, like, I don't know, like, there's this weird LG between real and animated that I feel like certain films get right and certain films don't. And this definitely felt like it got it right as where it mattered most. The action scenes. It's very tactile. Yes. Um, like one of my favorite moments was in the hall when the, when the Cypress Hill and man, Soto, mm-hmm. thank you for dropping an LA based rep, Latino rep group as legendary as Cypress and, Hill. And not using insane in the membrane. <laughs> and exactly. I was like, Oh, oh, I mean, it was okay. was one of their bigger songs. But I was like, is that Cypress Hill? I was like, yeah, that's Cypress Hill. I was like, oh, good on them for not using Insane in the Membrane. <laughs> exactly. And I was just, or Rock Superstar, or Rap Superstar, right? Like, yeah. like the three, the three biggest ones they decided not to use. But then, you know, it's like, I feel like Soto is the kind of guy that would have been like, like presented with like options it goes no man this one this track this is the badass track this is the the track that we want to edit to which i also have to give a big shout out to um bobby krillick for that synth pop score that's fucking oh man like that's gonna go right on onto my spotify playlist as music to write to because man that was badass I, so I wish I had seen it in a better theater because I feel like the music would have popped more. Um, uh, I, I didn't see it under. I mean, it was a it's a fine theater, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 an older theater and uh, tickets aren't super expensive. So the sound system isn't fantastic. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, the whole time I was like, man, I wish I was seeing this in like. A Limax or something because I <laughs> bet it sounds really good. <laughs> oh, I saw it in a I saw it in a Adobe Vision theater with Adobe Atmos, and somebody must have turned it up to eleven, the Smile Tap eleven, because man, that was that fucking theater was booming. Like like the the first moment where um, the score really kicks into that synth pop stuff where he's flying. Yeah, dude, it, it was like. It was like the, it was like a Skrillex drop. It just went, and then you could just feel it because it was like it was almost like intended to be like when it when the hits uh, when Kajida hits the boosters and he goes flying, like you feel it, like you feel the music like hit you in the like the low ends. Um, 
but yeah, man, like that, that score and the needle drops that they do were like, like I, I mentioned it, uh, I mentioned, I posted something on social media that just basically said like after Blue Beetle, I was like, you know, is this, is this the sound, is this the summer of soundtracks? Because I mean, we've gotten like five soundtracks that were like, are literally great soundtracks, like things that I want to like listen to all the time and I want on vinyl. Like I have five, like I haven't gotten the, the Guardians yet, but I'm gonna get that. I'm definitely getting the the Ninja Turtles one once once it ever comes out. Yeah. Uh or if like, you know, the fucking like I have the Spotify list and there's like literally 30 songs that they use. And that doesn't even that's not even the Atticus Ross uh Trent Reznor score. Yeah. That's great too. Um Blue Beetle, Barbie. I mean, I'm uh, like, I love the Barbie score. Uh, my wife loves it more, um, but we're definitely getting that on vinyl. Like, it's just a, a wealth of like scores and needle drops that are just like, man, like you could, you could make a 150 song playlist for the movies that came out this summer that had like songs, uh, like uh, needle drops that were just kind of great. Um, so yeah, there's, there is that. Um, one question I want to ask you, um, if there is a sequel, which they kind of prompt towards, have you heard the rumors of like who they, they would like, uh, like, or who fans are trying to cast as Ted Court? Um, no, I, I've, I was curious if they actually used somebody specifically for the voice, but I couldn't find anything. So no one knows who they used, but they did use somebody. Everybody wants another Ted to take over Ted because of the drawing, the, the painting that's not really drawn perfectly, but drawn just enough so that you can kind of get an idea of like who that person is. Um, they really want, like fans are really already talking about if there is a sequel, they really want Jason Sudeikis. Uh, yeah, I mean, that works for me. I, I think he can I mean, definitely, all, definitely do it. I mean, he's our age. He's in his mid, mid to, uh, he's in his mid forties. That would make the, that would make his daughter kind of like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a window where he would be very young, but it would make feasible, right? You could make Sudeikis older. You could make him in his fifties, right? Um, well, I mean, realistically, but, by the time the strike is over, they get a movie, they get a deal. They, he would be <laughs> closer to 50 by the time they go into to production <laughs> on a sequel. So No, 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 you're absolutely right. He would probably be more 50. Um, but, I mean, for all intents and purposes, like, it doesn't look like this is going to be the, 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 the groundswell cultural event that we were going to hope for it. So it may be a while, like even if there is the possibility of one, say it does great on home video, say that it becomes like this groundswell of things of like, you know, everybody wants to see it. I mean, that's a long time. It's going to be a long time. Um, but yeah, that's what I, that's what I heard. I, I was like, who do you get to play Ted Cord? The, like the blue Be blue beetle, because he was always kind of, at least in the iterations that I've seen, he's always been kind of goofy, right? Like he was always kind of a little goofy. He was kind of like, yeah. not a last man, but he was definitely, you and, know. And they allude to that 
in in yes. like when they find the the blue beetle cave or whatever you want to call it, uh, the mm-hmm. beetle layer, whatever. Um, like uh, like we talked about at the beginning, his te- like he was not able to use the scarab. So and and he's it it's very much not even alluded to. It said that he was like a hero from you know a couple of decades ago. Um, yeah. And so his tech is very, very analog and like tinged with just a little bit of that uh, higher tech stuff. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's pretty cool. I, I do really, really like the uh, I don't know what they call it, the beetle ship or whatever. Like, yeah. I really, really enjoyed that thing. Very much reminded me of the owl ship from Zack Snyder's uh, Watchmen, but yes, used, like way more fun. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that, that's such a prop for like, wouldn't it be cool to have sex in the ship? Um, whereas <laughs> this is just like, wouldn't it be cool to you know like you know storm a castle in this ship? <laughs> well, okay, so like you just like I think that you've just unlocked what I hate so much about Zack Snyder. Like, like literally, you unlocked it with that. Like, where I want, oh, man, it'd be cool to, like, smash a bunch of fucking people. Like, the like the bug becomes the smasher, right? Yeah, like that, yeah. That's awesome. Like, that's a badass thing. Whereas Zack Snyder's like, what I really want is naked sex in there while Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah plays because Hallelujah is badass and sex is badass. Shut the fuck up. I'm tired of this shit. I'm tired of your fucking stupid, stupid ideas. It's the dude that always constantly, you know, it'd be really cool if women were naked in this scene. It's like, no, it really wouldn't. Like, no, shut the fuck up. Please shut up, Zach. Go back to your corner and go make your moon movie that was supposed to be your Star Wars movie, but nobody wanted to make it because it was stupid. Like, I know I, I have a lot of hate for him. I mean, there's nothing like, I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with wanting to have sex in the owl ship. At, while Hallelujah plays, um, that's not my thing. That's not my form of fun. But you know, go right ahead, Zach. Go, like you know, obviously that's what you thought that every fanboy's dream was. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, no, you're right. Sorry for the. the I, I I'm on a I'm on a sick one today with with the Zack Snyder bullshit. Yeah. Like, I'm just <laughs> I'm really done with him. I think. <laughs> um, like the one Snyderverse fan is going to be like, I hate you, Adam, so much. So, for all intents and purposes, this is the end of the summer movie season. Like, we don't really yes. have anything. Like, Equalizer is, is coming in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yes! <but laughs> that's, that's really it. Um, and yep. I, I don't know if that technically qualifies as a summer movie. Um, I, so, the box office was not great. Like, no. Barbie aside... Um, and you know, the few things that did kind of like guardians made a ton of money, uh, spider verse made a ton of money, but like not looking at it monetarily, like even mm-hmm. with the flash and all its problematic stuff, I, it was a really good summer. And there were things that I didn't see. Like I still haven't seen elemental. I need to go mm-hmm. like fully watch the turtles, um like but overall like i cannot think of a movie that i was 
like downright just just down on like just absolutely down on like not everything was guardians 3 where i was like this is the best thing ever you know even blue Mm -hmm. beetle it's like yeah like it it was good like it was good yeah you know um you know shazam wasn't technically a summer movie but because it came out like march but like even going as far back as shazam like all of these nerd related properties like yeah they they all delivered in in various forms and you know i know we had the covid years so it's mm-hmm. hard to really count those but like i can't remember the last summer where like everything i went and saw for like months on end was like oh yeah no that was pretty good yeah that was pretty yeah. good uh, to be perfectly honest, it's been a long time since I've had something like that too. Like this summer, this summer feel, and maybe it's because of the COVID years that we we were so lean and we became so cynical that like an unexpected return to form for people. Like who would have thought that if you gave if you gave like super smart and intelligent creatives just enough wiggle room to play around that they would that they would produce things that were worthy of our time like yeah. the thing is like like i feel like that's what i feel like is the unlocking of the summer of the summer movie season that we had this year like think about it like barbie like they gave they gave they gave greta gerwig the room right like margaret roby probably helped with that because she produced it and she's like no nah, let my girl let my girl greta do what she wants to do and then we'll figure out what's what um Oppenheimer like fucking let's give like you know because of the bidding war between Warner Brothers and Universal we benefited from that because Nolan was like I want to do this movie but I want to do it my way and if there's one person other than Steven Spielberg that's still alive uh, that you would give the blank check to I feel like it's Christopher Nolan and after this I mean, Jesus, he can write his own check now that he wants to because he's proven that a three-hour movie about a dude from the 1940s that doesn't have any action can be one of the most thrilling things that you see all year on screen. And it's not even my favorite movie of the year. Like, or or you decide, you go, oh, you know what? That Spider-Verse movie was good or the the, the first Spider-Animated movie was good, but let's do this. Let's just let them off the chain. Let's them make the two and a half hour movie that ends in a cliffhanger that has the most progressive soundtrack because it it's featuring all of these like on the rise hip hop artists. But also let's just make it wildly imaginative and let let Lord and Miller with their crew do what Lord and Miller do do best. And then what happens? We get the best Spider-Man. Like I'm going to say it. I've seen it twice now. I'm probably going to watch it more on home video. I haven't bought it because I want to buy the 4K, like not the streaming version, but the real version. I'm going to say that that's pro- it's probably the best Spider-Man movie. Like Coming Home or uh, No Way Home is is on that level too. And I think it's like, it's going to vary viewing to viewing. But I mean, like and then Ninja Turtles, we, we got a Ninja Turtles movie that is as good as the first as the first 1991 and it makes it like and it changes it in a way that's like completely different but still great i mean but you also let the creatives do what they want to do like everything feels like there's this 
let's let them off. Let's let them, let's, let's give them a little bit more slack and see what they can do. Like every movie this summer, like even the Meg two, like I know you haven't seen it yet, but it's like the best yeah. Michael Crichton, non Michael Crichton movie that I've seen in a long time. And I mean, we got a Transformers movie that didn't suck. Yeah. A Transformer movie that feels more like the animated series than anything that had come before it, even Bumblebee. Like, I'm not saying a lot because Bumblebee actually visually looks like the animated series more than anything else does, right? Like, it's crazy. Like, I don't know. Like, it just feels like there's there, there was more at play here with just letting people do whatever they wanted to do and trusting them rather than rather than confining them to things like when you combine them to things like we get we get like stuff like i mean the flash is great in moments but the flash is like very much so a a film that's constricted by or that's bound by like certain plot points and things that need to happen and like you know the ending of things and it's like when it's not doing that it's not a stick in the mud, but when it's doing that, it's a stick in the mud, right? Yeah. Like when it doesn't care about Barry time traveling and correcting the the timeline and all that stupid bullshit, when it's just interacting with Supergirl or Batman is just existing and he's trying to figure things out. It, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Um, it's just when everything happens with Barry, it becomes it becomes just a, such a slog. It's just yes. like I don't care about Barry. Why couldn't you just killed Barry off like in the first twenty minutes and then just like let us deal with Batman and Supergirl or something like that? But again, I you know what do I know? Yeah. Um, what do I know? Yeah. Maybe he has them under their cult under his cult gaze. Um, but anyway, um, you're right. Like it was it was a summer. Like, looking back on it, it was a hell of a summer to, like, go to the movies and see things. There's a handful of things, like, I wish I had made the time to go see. Um, Elemental being one of them. Mm -hmm. um, even though I heard, you know, very mixed things. Um, yeah. I still wish I had gone seen it, gone and seen it. I wish I had gone to see The Boogeyman, um, which I, I still have not <laughs> managed to watch. Ah. Um, being a, the King fan that I am. You know, yes. Um, uh, there was a couple of other things. Fast, the Fast and Furious. I don't so much care about at all. <laughs> um, I was looking at what all had come out. Um, uh, I've heard like, like so, like I think I'm going to see it this weekend. But I've heard from people that No Hard Feelings was like the sleeper for them. Yeah, and that was one that I wish I had gone to see. Um, Little Mermaid, I, I said very early on, I don't think this movie's for me, not yeah. for any other reason than like I watched the trailer and was like, well, didn't like the animated version. I don't think that this is going to change my mind, but everybody I know that saw it really mostly enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Like I told you, you there know. were a couple of streaming things, non-theater things that I wanted to get around to seeing and I still haven't, uh. Flaming Hot and Nimona being like the top two of those. Okay. Okay. Uh, Asteroid uh, City, like we didn't even bring up Asteroid City, was like a moderate hit for for Wes Anderson. Uh, and I still and, haven't seen. I still haven't seen it yet. Like, oh, I, it's I, on Peacock. 
I know. I just haven't gotten around to it. Like fucking work, man. I swear to God, it's gonna kill me faster than a bullet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's on our list. Like as soon as my wife, because I was watching Twisted Metal last night. As soon as because she didn't want to watch anything, but it's like you know, like uh, so I just was watching whatever I wanted to watch. But as soon as she saw Asteroid City, she goes, "Oh, that's on there." And I was like, yeah. She goes, oh, we'll watch it then. Let's watch it on Saturday. So that's what we're going to watch tonight. Um, oh, which Mission I'm excited Impossible. about. We completely forgot about Mission Impossible. Shit. Yes, yeah. we did. And I'm a huge Mission Impossible fan. Which apparently um, lost $100 million. <laughs> yeah. Which I feel like if Barbie and Oppenheimer or one of those did not come out, we're not having that conversation of <sighs> yeah. loss. I, I, you know? The the uh, yeah, it's funny that the loser in the war, the Barbenheimer war, was not Warner Brothers or Mattel or Universal. Or yeah. Universal, it actually turned out to be Tom Cruise. <laughs> he was the loser. Which, which is uh, the shittiest thing because he saved, like he literally last summer saved summer, right? Yeah. Like so, you would think that. Like, People would like, be I mean, primed just, to see, oh, like, I'm going to go see yeah. that new Tom Cruise movie. Nope. <laughs> but I think that what's going to happen is <clears throat> when they see it on home video, they're going to, it's going to be their big regret that they didn't yeah. go see it. That yeah. they chose, that they chose to go see a shitty I, movie about sex trafficking that was produced by a sex trafficker than go to yeah. see this movie. I, I really think putting part one in the title of the movie is... Like, it's not yeah. the, like, even Marvel flinched at calling it Infinity War Part 1 and Infinity yep. War Part 2. Like, and across the Spider-Verse Part 1 and across this, like, they backed down from the Part 1, Part 2 thing because, like, it, testing shows you, like, I'm like, oh, I don't want to go watch a movie and then be upset that it ends on a cliffhanger like knowing going in, um, mm-hmm. I, I think the only other thing I might have would have wanted to see is Last Voyage of the Demeter. But like we talked about yes. that, and I was like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, uh, well, you heard it's coming <clears throat> next week on on video yeah. on demand. Next yeah. week, right. literally less than two weeks or less than three weeks. That's how big of a bomb it was, which does not denote quality, as we all know. Oh, yeah, no, not, that not at all. <laughs> Fast oh, and Indiana Jones. We forgot about Indiana Jones. Oh, man. So, which was oh. also didn't light up in our, no. you know, sky, but, like, was a very fun movie, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it was just a fact, good summer. Yep, it was. When an Indiana Jones movie is something that you forget, you know it's a good summer, right? Yeah. Like, like you know. Like, you, when you forget about that kind of stuff, um... You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, and then there was just, like, things that I know that, like, from the indie world that people loved. Like, I have to catch up with Blackberry because everybody tells me that once yeah. they see it, they go, Jesus, that's a good movie. And I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, like, like better than that stupid uh, Job's movie, both Job's movies, but, like, on the level of, like, like uh, what is it, The Social Network. I'm like, really? And they're like, yes. Like, it's going to yes. be Oscar-nominated good. Um I love, I mean, you and I both have talked and praised Julia Louise Dreyfus, and she's in uh, You Hurt My Feelings, which was a big um, yeah. indie hit. Um, you have, uh, you know, even though we're not these people, but uh, the book club had a sequel <laughs> that people went to go see. Um, uh, 
I like we haven't talked about it, but I watched uh, some of the Netflix movies uh, like The Mother, which is fun junk. Um, they clone Tyrone, which is a truly deranged great movie. Like it's a truly gr- great yeah. like I've, I've wow heard movie. Pretty good things. So. Yes. So like, and then of course you have like things like Hypnotic, like the the Ben Affleck movie that came out that was made like four years ago that nobody wanted to see. Um, but I mean, there's like, there, like there was plenty of stuff this summer and I feel like this was like the, I, the most yeah. selection of pre pandemic. Like, I mean, I've been talking a lot about the pandemic recently and this doesn't feel like a pandemic summer, right? No, it felt but... like true next summer probably will <laughs> like oh. that's why i brought it up to just be like so next summer when we're like this sucks <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, hope everybody remembers that we had a summer with like where even the not great movies were still pretty good and people didn't fl- necessarily flock to the theaters to see them um yeah. Next summer, like, it, unless they literally do push everything in the last half of this year into next summer, next summer we're going, we're not going to have a summer movie season. Like, we're just yeah. not. So, well, I mean, from, okay, so from what I hear right now in 2024, um, right now what we have so far is um, Captain America, Venom 3, um, both finished production, both are in, in post. Um, Twisters, which I've heard did complete photography, um, rumors, uh, that's already starting to work on their stuff. Um, they, um, and then Dune is supposedly being pushed, even though we, we, we can't get, like, if it does, like, from what I heard, the rumor is, is that if we don't get past, if September 1st happens and there's no, there's no, like, you know, strike doesn't, uh, strike continues, Dune is getting pushed to 2024 because it's too big of a movie and too important of a movie for Warner Brothers to let it, like, do what Dune 1 did. Yeah. Um, so they're going to wait until summer 2024 for that, um, which is not a bad thing. Um, and then also Aquaman, like, we keep on hearing Aquaman's, like, not, like, if the strike continues, it's not going to happen. Um but then also we've got other movies that are not going to happen too. So there's the shift, but if it gets negotiated, you're right. It's going to be wild to see nothing happen again. Like, yeah. I mean, like everything has stopped production. Like literally everything has stopped production. Like I honestly don't feel like we're ever going to get Mahershala Ali as, as Blake. Like, I no. don't think that we're going to get him. Like, I think I it's mean, going to be. I, I still don't feel like we're ever going to get Blade. I'm um, Blade. Deadpool three. Like, Well, I mean, okay, so like, let's talk about that. That was filming for three weeks. So they filmed, they have that opening scene. Like, from what I understand, they have the opening scene with, we all know what happens. Like, it was kind of ruined for us, you know, because they wanted to film physically, which I appreciate, right? Um, But like, if they don't go back, I mean, like, could that, like, could that be like the thing that never was? Like, the the sacrifice? Yeah, I, I I don't I I feel like it's too precious to the two stars of the movie to not complete it. I mean, right? I, well, you know, it would literally have to be the studio shutting it down, and I I don't foresee Disney doing that. 
Oh. It's too important of a film. Also, did you hear the rumor recently about who else is in it and who makes it a multiverse movie? I've I've heard so many rumors. I, there's a guy I work with who every huh? day has this like, oh, this person's gonna be in this movie, and like I'm I, every day I'm like John. There were so many things that were gonna happen in Multiverse of Madness. Yes, I am not paying happen. attention to anything any site is reporting about Deadpool other than Wolverine is in the movie. That's <laughs> it. Photographic <laughs> photographic proof. Well, okay, so I'm going to throw something at you, which I don't know if it's true or not, but it sounds like, you know, let's make let, let's make um let's make Ryan Reynolds happy, which is this is and and we'll close on on this. I feel like it's like the perfect thing to do, right? Because Deadpool. Um I've heard that Tom Hiddleston is in the movie as Loki. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. But like a big part of the movie. Like, like so much so that like, like this is a big surprise. This was supposed to be a big surprise, but it's not really because they're trying to appease Ryan Reynolds and he's asking for things and he's getting things because they know that if they can keep him happy, they can keep him making Deadpool movies and they can make him make PG-13 Deadpool movies, which is ultimately the goal, right? Is right. Like, to have him a part of that. I mean, so much so that they're like, everything that he's doing in Deadpool is kind of helping with, I guess, for the, the big Secret Wars movie, right? Like, you know, you're getting getting Wolverine and you're getting Hugh Jackman back, but also the rumor of being it being like something that's that's revitalized him and he's okay with doing Secret Wars and being a bigger part of it. So it's like, it's weird how like before the big push, before the end of, like before the strike, that this was all kind of coming together in a big way. Like, I mean, the movie's a massively budgeted movie now. Like, it's not even like, it's like a massive R-rated movie, right? Like a, yeah. like a big budget. Like they're trying, like, I, from what I understood that, what's his name? Like, you know, no volume, like, like what's it? Like Sean Levy and, and, um, and uh, Ryan Reynolds were both like no volume, the least amount of green screen possible, the least amount of CG, Let's make this more CGI infused and kind of make the Deadpool movie that you wanted to make. Like, you know, like when you first started off, like, what is it that you wanted to do? And they just kind of like mapped out what he wanted to do. And that's why it's a multiverse movie is because he's able to jump and skip and basically do vignettes of like, oh, I wanted to do this. Oh, I want to do that and be able to do that and construct it as a movie that basically gets him to do everything that he wanted to do in an R-rated Deadpool movie. And to be able to move forward. Um, and man, like that's kind of crazy. Like that, that they're, that, I, I don't know. Like, how do you feel about the fact that a Fox, like, because everybody's talking like, so like everybody's talking about Marvel being like, like it keeps on, like the quality keeps on sinking. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, we say that, but then like Guardians 3. Yes. But is... also Guardians is as a special exception, right? I, I, yeah, I mean, I get that. Yeah, I just listened to the Ringerverse, uh, like the state of the Marvel uh, Cinematic oh, Universe. That was with uh, what's her name, Mallory and uh, and. No, no, no. It was the it was the it was the boys and Joe. Oh, okay. Joe jumps in for uh, a little bit talking about her book. 
um, which okay. I still need to pre-order. Um, it it's really good, um, but ultimately it comes down like they they start talking about what Marvel needs to do. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Joe breaks it down. She she breaks it down at the end, and I think she's 100 percent right. The thing that that worked, the reason Marvel worked was because of Kevin Feige. And yeah. now there's so many things and there's only one Kevin Feige. The only way to solve the problem is to do less. Because he cannot oversee and be instrumental in all of these things. And like whether you think it was cookie cutter or whatever, like even the the lesser Marvel stuff early on, like Iron Man two, like they it still works because like he's acting almost as uh I mean Overlord makes it sound so ominous, but well editor in chief he's editor in yeah. chief yeah yeah like he's making the making it cohesive. Um, sometimes to the detriment of the people creating the art, for sure, but or even the art itself, but he is making it cohesive and making sure it it all gels, making sure it all looks the way it needs to look. And now everything spreads so thin, you, you can't do that. He cannot be in all those places. He cannot oversee everything. TV show and film and like so you get the thing that they didn't want to have early on which is why people like Edgar Wright walked away yep um you have these people who like you're not trusting enough fully to to be the creative voice of the project and mm-hmm. you've you've meddled enough with it that it's not what it needs to be. Like so, that, either that either sense. you need yeah. the James Gunn Guardians thing, which works because of James Gunn and his vision for it, or you need Kevin Feige hands in like making everything cohesive. Uh, you know, because they're not giving mm-hmm. these other creators enough room really so no you're you're absolutely right that makes sense that definitely makes sense like like bringing like like rolling it back like that definitely makes sense like that makes sense to me more than um more than anything else that they've talked about in course correcting it like stretching it out and not making so many or like i don't know like like let's let's not like let's take our time with things because like ultimately i feel like most of the problems can be solved in development like most of the issues i have like start with the script right like yeah and and also like undelivered promises like stop that stop that bullshit stop the like if you're not willing to make three shang chi movies in six years or in nine in, in like the next eight years like, do you know what I mean? Like, if you're not yeah. going to do that, if you're not going to include Simu Liu and the, the world of Shang-Chi, then don't fucking make Shang-Chi. Like, like, or, you know, make it and continue to develop it. Or, like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, like, 
to be perfectly honest, like I love Ant-Man, but how were there three fucking Ant-Man movies and only one Shang-Chi movie? Like, yeah, I know that it's just happened, but we should be actually talking about actively developing that movie. But no, because uh, Justin, uh, Justin Cretton is actually making one of the Avengers movies, Yeah, you know? Um, and, and that that was one of their uh, key things was like, is anybody going to give a shit about the new Avengers? Because people don't really seem to care about these characters the way they cared about the other characters. But to that, I would say, like, nobody gave a shit about Iron Man, Captain America, or really the Hulk. Certainly mm-hmm. not Hawkeye or Black Widow or Nick Fury or even knew who the hell Nick Fury was. The end of Iron yeah. Man, if you weren't in the know, you didn't know who the hell that was. No. I stood in line buying tickets for the first Iron Man movie with two dudes in front of me and Ryan going, what movie were you going to see? Iron Man? What the hell is Iron Man? Like, <clears throat> I don't know. It's got Robert Downey Jr. And now everybody knows who I, Like, we forget yeah. that Iron Man was not Batman. <laughs> he wasn't. No. no. <laughs> like, it... it, it so they made you care about those characters and and it's not because robert downey jr was the most beloved man in america because he wasn't chris evans was not chris evans chris hemsworth was fucking nobody (laughs) yeah nobody he was a beefy handsome dude who was in a Star Trek movie for five minutes. Like it, it's, you know, it's exactly what happened with Hugh Jackman, but it happened with multiple people. Scarlett Johansson was the most famous actor of the bunch. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's interesting how like, People have now come to like, I don't know. Um, but they like, made yeah. you care, man. You cared yes. about Tony Stark. You cared about Steve Rogers. You cared about Thor. You cared about like, like they made you care about those characters. Like, and, and they're not doing that with the new characters. They're just not. And no, that's a problem. No, it is a huge problem because, I mean, there's multiple reasons for that, but it primarily comes down to, like, the writing is so specifically aimed towards a plot that it loses all characters. Yeah. Like, I literally don't know, like, like it, it, it's like, like, we're doing this because we need to service a need and not, like, let's go ahead and make this about the characters. And that's ultimately, like, for me, the biggest problem is, is that if you don't have a script that it lets let you be a character, that lets you inhabit the character, what's the use? Yeah. Like, really? I mean, like, the Avengers the doesn't work as well as it does if you don't partly care about those characters. Now, I, I do agree that, like, by the time you get to Infinity War, you care way more than you did in the first movie. But, like, you you really got to care about those characters. Like, I I think the only 
two that that you can point to and go you didn't have to make people care about them one Mm -hmm. is spider-man and that's because we've had so much spider-man that like people were just excited to see him on screen and the other is black panther which is it's a culturally different thing that's true but i'm gonna counter with for you i'm gonna say something which is is that i feel like the spider-man movies and black panther both worked overtime in creating not only a world but a pair of characters that you come to know and love yeah i i just i know that the the response to black panther in uh civil war was immediate like you did not have to like like you didn't have to first avenger black panther yes like no you didn't you literally get five minutes of uh the wakandan stuff the death of his father and then bam the minute he shows up on screen in that suit people went fucking nuts like i've never heard a theater lose it like they did when black panther showed up on screen it was so exciting but um you know like more than for spider-man <laughs> like it was insane yeah. um but uh but yeah everybody else like they they get you to care about them they invest in all of that and they're just not doing that and it, it's it's detrimental like i enjoy a lot of the the new things but like would i have rather seen uh like i enjoyed she hulk but would i would yeah. i have rather seen more about the world of wakanda than a show about she hulk i mean maybe because maybe that new black panther movie wouldn't have fallen so flat for me like yep. you know like yeah. she hulk didn't really fall flat for me but like you need people to go to these movies <laughs> like otherwise you're going to wind up in the situation that star wars is in where it's like oh we just got to stick to tv because nobody wants to see us in the theater anymore yeah. um so anyway yeah we've we've gone longer than we have in a while um <laughs> but uh yeah uh so go check out everything else we're doing over at xwingfiles.com to plug our stuff go rate and review this podcast um and uh i'll let adam plug his stuff um the movieall.com that's where all my all my shit uh that that i write is on it's also where you can find logan's uh moving pictures column uh which is coming back Um, coming back soon i swear yes which is okay like you know he like like for two and a half years you like like clockwork other than maybe a few weeks every other week we were having a we, we were having a post like you know like i think we're up to 34 so that means like 74 weeks um it's a lot of content so um no it's, it's all more than good. that it's like 45 oh that's right 44. that's right yeah that's right that's closer to more 50. than that Yes, we are hitting into that that golden number. Um, but yes, you can read his work, my work. Um, Marie, 
and the rest of the crew on themovieisle.com. I've got a bunch of stuff that posted this uh, last week, and then I'll have more stuff posting this week. Um, lots of fun stuff to, uh, to be had. Um, so, but with that, guys, we will be back next week. Um, I don't know. Not sure. We're talk about. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. Well, we might, guys, you guys might actually get Adam, Adam and Logan, or Logan and Adam's football podcast because we're getting closer, guys. It's it's both a warning and an announcement because <laughs> we do love talking our football, um, especially so, if things start getting pushed and the shows yep. start drying up and. So, um, you know, as you catch up on things that I've talked about, I'm sure we can talk about those things. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So with that, guys, we will be back next week with something. Something. (laughs) We'll see you guys then. Me now. Let's ruin everything.